1: Again, ladies, gentlemen, and associated alien species, this is the Code 47 Podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network, episode number 72. I am Charlie Carden, competing with the dog on the other end of the line. <laughs> if you're watching the video, you can see that there is a there is some canine interference going on. But yes, I'm Charlie Carden, Trek Lord of West Michigan, captain of the USS... Grand Poteski, a chapter of Starfleet International, here as always with uh, my number one and a half, uh, Katie Q, uh, my, my, my co-host extraordinaire. Katie, good evening. How are you?
0: I am good, and I'm here with my own lieutenant, our uh, chief of security, Minerva. That's the dog nice. here if you're watching the video. <laughs> well, if we if
1: we ever do manage to to snag you into service in the Grand Petoskey, there is a subunit of SFI called Pet Fleet, of which my pets are all are already members. And so something to keep in mind if you really want to press Minerva into service so she can get <laughs> her stripes. Uh, I think she-
0: that uh, Minerva would be a no-go for the stripes. If there is a race that could be emulated by high anxiety wanting to live alone in a cave... That would be in Minerva. Now my other I one, see. Amy, she would be uh, she would be my actual first lieutenant, you know, maybe emissary think like uh, like counselor Troy type of deal where she just wants <laughs> to be in everybody's business, know exactly what's going on and if you can pick her up and pet her and just carry her around for the rest of her life, she'll be thrilled. Captain
1: <laughs> Captain, I'm sensing that I want a steak medium rare.
0: yes or, or <laughs> I'm sensing I'm sensing that I need pets. I'm pets. sensing Much that pets. you have a lap that is not currently occupied, and you should have me in it.
1: Leco occupado. Well, we could just talk about pets all the live long day, but yeah, we, have we, attend, we have to attend.
0: episode. We
1: have, a, we have a big episode, and it's uh, categorized by that old R&B standard from the 70s. There's a thin line between love and hate. That's right. We're talking about the season finale of Star Trek Picard, and the first two episodes of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Oh my god, this is! And then mm-hmm. we're going to talk. We're going to talk about some Deep Space Nine. But as we discussed in it pre-roll, it's more of a, a glazed donut-y situation. So <laughs> we'll explain a little bit more as we go on. So, Katie, without further ado, uh, take us in, engage into episode ten engage. of Picard. Yes,
0: um, with just hours until the Europa launch, Picard and the crew find themselves in a race against time to save the future. Parentheses season finale. And I would say season flop. <laughs> what flop- even was going on with this?
1: Flopper Rooney, you know, uh, I would. I've been uh, we've been saying it all along. This season just doesn't make sense. No. You know, as opposed to conflicting plot threads, you know, take a full you know yard of yarn, ten of them, and throw it in a, a garbage pail and go, buh, 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 and that was season two of Picard. That being said, there were some things in this episode that I felt brought it around to at least like, okay, there's some resolution here, and blah, blah, blah. But on the other hand, you think of all the massive like, why is Q dying? What's going on with Guinan? Why does Guinan now know Picard? Because it's not Guinan from the alternate universe. It's Guinan from... From the correct universe, so she does know him. Why was Girati the Borg Queen for four hundred years? Yet all of the other Borg stuff happened, but she's good. And now yep. the Borg are part of the Federation.
0: Yes, exactly. So, and so it was one of those yeah. that didn't make any sense. And you had this weird resolution with um, the Data's daughter—that's not Data's daughter,
1: right? Yeah, Corey. And yeah, and y- and your number one boy boyfriend.
0: Oh man! And I mean, okay. And I will say this: I love <laughs> Will Wheaton. I got to see him when he did. Um, he did the first PAX East um, keynote speech. Okay. And it was great. It was his whole thing was, "Hey, just don't be a dick." Like everything I have seen about That's Will Wheaton is right. just—he seems like an absolutely wonderful individual. I just do not like. Wesley, I don't.
1: <laughs> well, and it's and it's funny to 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 extend your point while Will Wheaton. And again, I met him a month ago at uh, Mission mm-hmm. Chicago, yeah. and he was just signing off for the day. I was his last individual. He he was wearing a mask. He was very fastidious about his mask. I said. I even stood back. I said, I won't get too close to you. He said, Thank you. I said, You know, you're my eight of nine of the TNG cash. He said, Who's the last one? I said, It's Dorney. I've met Michael Dorn. And he was very gracious, but literally as we turned away, he said to his handler, Okay, let's get out of here. I mean, he was still mm-hmm. he was gracious till the end, and I appreciate that. I tend to think of the persona that he puts on, not only in what we saw here, but then what we see in the ready room every week as Wesley mm-hmm. Krush- as Wesley Crusher, not Will Wheaton. Because Yeah. I just can't. I just can't stand it. He, well, it's and, it's so shticky, and I just and the
0: thing is, like, I don't know if you ever saw the guilds. He played in the guilds um, as kind of like the like gamer bro, like intense World of Warcraft kind of guy. Okay. and he was not this over the top with it. Like it was campy, but that entire series was campy, so it kind of worked. But I just do not understand because even as Wesley, it didn't seem like he was this over the top, and everything mm. about him is just so like. They're having him try so hard to get this to work. And I don't like it, just felt like it felt like a payoff no one was asking for.
1: Right. And this
0: entire thing with her and becoming one of like the time traveler people or whatever. Right.
1: Right. The Travelers, which goes back to The Traveler from early in TNG, which goes all the way back to Gary Seven and TOS, which goes all the way forward to Picard's weird romance with the Romulan woman, which yes. we get at the end, who is actually also a human woman. But there's, I just.
0: Well, I and mean. And also yeah. the weird thing of like. Discovery's entire thing is time travel and they have this entire thread of like no time travel is illegal now like you mm-hmm. cannot fuck around with it right so Like, where do the travelers come in then because that seems like that's a whole huge plot thread
1: I mean th- it's th- not
0: th- now canon or is fec- fucking with a canon. Because of the way that Discovery is portraying time travel and the way that it is like so carefully monitored in the future.
1: Right, because there was the Temporal Cold War, which again, that was part of Enterprise. There was the 29th century with the Captain Braxton guy who was actor Bruce McGill. And then the guy who was Duquesne, who then the actor showed up in this season, but it wasn't the same character. It was just like, just nothing, nothing about any of this works. And And it's, it's just... Yeah, it, it's the first thing from Star Trek. And even, I mean, and I've slogged through everything. I slogged through that horrible last season. the
0: whole original animated series. Below.
1: I've been, I mean, I've been through the last You've season. You've
0: been through of, it. Yeah, TNG. <laughs>
1: I went through the first really bad two seasons of Enterprise. I've been through mm-hmm. TAS. Um, and I, I always try to find something that I could be like, oh, this is not a bad thing. This was just, this, this failed on all cylinders. It was, th- this was the wet fart in church of Star Trek. Yes. There, it, there we go. It, found, found the episode name. Key Yes.
0: Wet fart in church. Even the thing that I loved so much about the season, which was Girardi as the queen. I just loved Girardi. I loved everything about her, like the way that she acted, her portrayal, everything was great. They, they, made her look so weird when it was finally released because apparently they couldn't just do... Prosthetics. They had to do some sort of weird CG with the lighting, so it looked like her face was floating on a different body. And I'm like, just it, give it, her it, prosthetics. Just
1: do it. Was, Why do it was,
0: you do all this weird stuff?
1: It was like what they did with Chris Evans in the first Captain America movie yes. pre serum. He was this little skinny guy, but mm-hmm. they had they kind of, and at that time that 3D was real big in movies, so I didn't see it that way. But a friend said it, and they said in 3D it just his his head just looks like it's floating. It looks like yeah. a it looks like an SNL sketch. Do yeah, you know what I mean? So you could yeah. See
0: that- it, was the, it reminded me of the episode prior where you had um, Soong standing in a field behind a forest and it was very clearly CG. Like the lighting right. was so far off. Or um, The Mandalorian when Luke, they had that uh, stand in for Luke and they tried to CG his face. Right. Like that's the kind of level of bad. And I was like, and you know, we're getting to Strange New Worlds, which, right. oh, you know, as much oh. as I hated this, loved Strange New Worlds, but I'm like, Star Trek is known for just doing weird things funky makeup and prosthetics. Just lean right. into that. You already have all of these prosthetics you were doing with the Borg Queen beforehand. Right. Why not just apply that to Jurati? Why are you right. doing all this weird shit with the lighting and with yeah. the speech? Yeah, but you have to funk
1: it up and give her a yeah. trench coat and give her Dr. Octopus's tentacles. And yeah. she's she's wearing a Daft Punk helmet. And it's just like, it's very like, but she's good. And we want to be part of the Federation so we can help with this, this, and that. It's just like-
0: Well, and there was just so many- It just. I felt like I was robbed of payouts because I right. I love Q and I know so many people do. And the um, actor who plays him, like he could read the fucking phone book.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: I would it would probably bring me to tears. Like he just knows how to deliver a line. And there were so many beautiful lines that he was delivering in beautiful moments between him and Picard that just felt robbed because he was a side plot.
1: Right. Like, but the, everything was the side mean, plot yeah. in and this. The was, yeah, I don't know. It really
0: was the full plot because you right. had the first two episodes, which were amazing. And then you had this lap, last episode that ended up being kind of the MacGuffin of right. pulling together right. the first two episodes, but everything in between didn't feel like it made any sense or had any reason. Cause it's like, okay, why did Q bring Picard back to the past if
1: <laughs> I did had
0: already become a boar queen because Ger- he had met Ger- so like it was already part of Picard's timeline and it wasn't an alternate time. And this is a problem with time travel.
1: <laughs> right, right. Oh my God. So yeah, you can write it off as much as, you know, oh, it's timey wimey Doctor Who, whatever it is, but But at least
0: Doctor Who said it's timey wimey. Like, it just right. doesn't make sense.
1: <laughs> right. But this just tried to pull it all back together and oh, we're back in the present and everything's good yeah. and yada. yada. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah. anyway, to, to close the door uh, obviously on Picard Season 2 uh, we're going to have to write it off in some fashion or another and kind of uh, Put all our, our eggs in the basket of the big, the big adios that we're getting. Or I'm going to assume this time next year with season three, the return mm-hmm. of all, all of the actors, if not all the characters. Obviously, we're not going to get Data back because Brent right. Spiner has come right out and said I'm not playing Data anymore. But he'll he will be assumed of some variety. Maybe he'll right. be you know Uber. Maybe he'll be the villain. He'll be the maybe. Uber. Soon, Apparently, you, know. you
0: just want to really be like. Yeah, oh exactly. God, doing a name. I don't know why. It'll
1: it'll be it'll be <laughs> it'll be nothing but a sung Android. So yeah, let's let let's just call this one. We'll call this yes. an audible. But it's gonna, uh it, yeah.
0: I want to throw out because this is what I'm hoping that this whole thing led up to is that the season three the the you know power or the villain or you know the enemy that they were talking about having to come together to fight. I'm hoping that they're bringing it back to season one and having it be those synthetics that they kind of cut off from coming through that big wormhole at the end of season one that we're planning right. on destroying all organics.
1: Yes. I'm hoping yes. that
0: season three is no, you can see organics and synthetics living together. Literally Girati is the human exemplification of, or well, human Borg exemplification of that. Right. And then it's them trying to get through that synthetics. Now that would be a much more cohesive storyline than they have done in season one or two. Oh
1: so, my God. We'll You're right. See. It's going to be, uh, yeah, odd seasons. I just, yes. it anyway, best to move on. Best to move on again to shift gears. Star yeah. Trek is about positivity. It's about looking at the light side. We got a one-two punch of the same day that Picard oh. gave us, you know, the big wet fart. Uh, yeah. We got episode one of Strange New Worlds, oddly titled, A Strange New Worlds. When, what? What, when one of Pike's officers goes missing, who could it be? While on a secret mm-hmm. mission for Starfleet, Pike uh, mm-hmm. has to come out of self-imposed exile he must navigate how to rescue rescue his officer while struggling to do with the vision of the to do with the vision of the future he's been given series premiere. Damn, it all works and it's so great. <laughs> no, it's it's awesome. Yeah. I I love this. I've had this, you know, in some of the fanfic that I've written, I, I always like the, you know, wait, uh, did you
0: just admit that you write fanfic? I just since, want to make sure we're clarifying since, that. Since I was <laughs> since I was
1: 17. Absolutely, I have. That's all
0: right. I have my own rendition of some Batman fanfics. So Oh my I will, gosh. I will, I,
1: I a, lot, a lot of mine has been, you know, original, kind of within the universe, but mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, it, most all of it. But yes, but regardless. Um, you know, I, I love the fanfic trope, as it were, of the, you know, uh, disenfranchised starfleet officer. Oh, I just can't go back because I'm rag- Ragley Beard or I'm, I'm going hiking in the mountains or in this case, you know, riding a horse in the snow through. Right.
0: Riding across Montana. Yeah.
1: Right across Montana with uh, wind farms, which Trump says will give us cancer. Oh, did I just say that? All right, don't listen to that.
0: that part <laughs> that... bad influence on you.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway, like I said, nobody who listened, nobody who actually likes Star Trek and listens to us is a Trumper. I'm just going to No. Throw, if they're listening to us, g-
0: I have a multi- neon green mohawk they left long ago when i came on
1: <laughs> long 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 ago but regardless this was great so we do get a uh, my favorite meme about this we get to see uh robert april uh the predecessor to pike uh as captain of the enterprise as established mm-hmm. by tas my favorite meme about this was oh man star trek has given up on continuity Robert Apert can't look like this guy. He's got to look like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. And they show him side, <laughs> by, show him side by side as a generic filmation guy. Um, but, yeah, no, they, they picked a great actor. I love it. They changed mm-hmm. his race. That's awesome. I love it. That's what Star Trek's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, yeah, you're right. There, I have I have long maintained since Discovery began. Uh, and we saw, you know, like, how can these sets be? Or even since Enterprise began, uh, even though there was an episode of Enterprise where they did uh, rebuild T, uh, TOS sets for an episode that that took place, that the updating of the Enterprise look, which is amazing, the updating of the Discovery look prior mm-hmm. to that, is simply that. it's You cannot just have a show where, hey, we've got these cardboard sets from 1965. Uh, don't you think they look great? No, they look horrible. Nobody's going to buy it. It's going to be a distraction from the show.
0: Right. Yes. So
1: your imagination simply has to fill in the gap between these shows and when Star Trek started to not look Chintzy, starting in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, when they mm-hmm. actually built my favorite ship, the Constitution class refit, with all those beautiful sets and everything that they did, that's what my brain does. That's my head can. My head can said, you know what? I will just imagine Kirk's head in this uniform a few years from now, and and, and all the sets look the same. Which <laughs> no, actually, was
0: great. <laughs> which
1: actually, with something that we reported with actor Paul Wesley showing up. As a younger James T. Kirk, although we do get his brother Sam, which mm-hmm. is which is canonical to TOS, that actually yep. did did show up in an episode of TOS. I know that's not your area, but obviously you <laughs> know um, that that we, we do see Paul Wesley, and then in that same photo montage, they also showed. Um, Celia Rose Gooding, who I got to meet is a wonderful person, who is cadet Uhura in this, uh, in lieutenant stripes and the officer's uniform in mm-hmm. what we're assuming is probably a flashback sequence of some kind within that same setting. Um, yes. So yes, my brain has now decided that old gross TOS settings don't exist. You know what? Hit me up at Twitter at the C3 or at Secret Friends You Tell me I'm wrong, but I just <laughs> watch watching TOS and particularly hey, look at these sets. Oh, we're shaking. Oh, the cardboard's tilting. You know what I mean? Uh, I know I appreciate. Uh, that I appreciate in this episode. So, yeah, they, they stumble upon a society that was unduly influenced by the events of the finale of Discovery Season mm-hmm. 2, the big space battle. Uh, they, they uh, you know, rebuilt half of a warp engine, but they're building it as a weapon. They're at kind of a, a crisis point. Ah, ah name it name of a ah. Lower Decks episode. Ah, ah. <laughs> um, where, you know, they could use this, uh, you know, not for warp drive, but to blow each other up. So mm-hmm. that that awesome montage where Pike's standing there and he's, he's given them a history lesson that pulls together uh, everything that, you know, where we live in, in the Star Trek world is going to happen in, happen in the next 40, 30 years. Where mm-hmm. everything that's going on right now builds in such a crisis, a second civil war, which turns into a third world war, which results in the eradication of 30% of the Earth's population. Yep. I mean, that is not something that I have a hard time believing. And it's terrifying mm-hmm. because look at the things that are happening in the news this week. and We don't need yeah. to talk about it, but they're mm-hmm. all... Pretty much horrifying school shootings. Trying to overturn Roe Ro versus Wade. I, I don't even want to talk about it. it it's horrifying. So it, yeah. Th- this message is needed now more than ever. I can't think of an episode that has, especially a premiere episode that has ever knocked it more out of the park than this one did. Oh yes. my god! They just they nailed they nailed everything. They gave they gave the message the Star Trek message the you know uh, hope. And togetherness and infinite diversity and infinite accommodations is what's going to save us. And just, I, you say something. I just I can't, I can't anymore.
0: <laughs> well, and they really, it's like they had a checklist of what makes Star Trek, what makes good Star Trek. And they went, okay, moral quandaries, uh, the struggle of the moral gray areas. You know, the monster of the week, the continuation of, you know, humanity through crisis and then rising above it because you get every one of those things in this episode. And it's one of the things that you and I have talked about when they had said this is going to be more of a monster of the week, kind of a Mm -hmm, weekly mm -hmm. go by. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that because I like the continuality. I like the fact that the characters are influenced by what has happened before because it shows Growth. It shows movement instead of it just being, you know, the the Jordy joke of there's never been a transporter accident within the last thirty years. And you're like, yeah, literally r- 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 two two seasons or two episodes ago, you were freaking stuck in a wall, Jordy. Don't lie to me. <laughs>
1: Knock it off.
0: Right. So I'm like, I would, I wanted to find a happy medium, and they, oh, they hit it so perfectly. And so Pike good. is so phenomenal. Just that his he's got such charisma on the screen. And his little one-offs, like he finds, I feel like he's got like the sass of Riker mixed with Cisco, where he's got yes. like just the commandment of like he commands a room like Cisco did, but right. like at one point, you know, I think it's in the second episode where they're talking about like the comet hitting the Earth, and he goes, "Well, that's not good." Nah. <laughs> Obviously, I don't, like that. I don't little, like that. He's got these little like, yeah, he's got these little quips, and it's like that very kind of obvious, almost like witty dad humor to him. Which is great, but there's also a lot of heart to him as he's struggling with what happened in Discovery.
1: Right, right. And 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 that's bringing
0: that through line.
1: Right, and that was such a great capper through the two episodes ending, obviously, mm-hmm. with the end of the second episode. That Not that yeah. we want to jump ahead, but yeah, just checked all the boxes. But speaking of the second episode, this one's all yours, so you go for it.
0: Oh, yes. Okay, so while on a survey mission, the USS Enterprise discovers a comet is going to strike an inhabited planet. They try to reroute the comet, only to find that an ancient alien relic buried on the comet's icy surface is somehow stopping them. As a... Or, as the away team tries to unlock the relic secrets, Pike and number one deal with a group of zealots who want to prevent the USS Enterprise from interfering. Oh, Ooh.
1: man. Ooh, episode oh, is like. No. Ch- ch- oh, no. Children of the Comet is the name of the episode. Yes. Oh, yes. And, oh, I got excited. Oh. I, know. Well, I understand. And this was an episode, it was a very, very uhura centric episode. So, you're taking I loved your it. young. Yeah, only you're taking your, you're, you're taking your youngest character, and only took sixty years, but she finally gets a friggin' backstory. You yes, know, it no. was yeah.
0: My question, because it seems like Ohura and Spock are kind of hitting it off a little bit. So, Could be. are we getting the alternate universe version of this? I, I, Is this I, the movie back of Spock and Ohora having a romance versus the TOS?
1: I mean, I don't necessarily think so simply because, um, and again, in the first episode, one thing we didn't touch on is that Spike, uh, Spike, Spock, uh, is gotten getting hot and heavy with Tapring, who is his betrothed. They're out on a date, which is not really a hot thing heavy that to can a certain
0: do. extent. Yeah, but I mean, like, he also hits cold water as soon as he's pulled away, and she's like, "I'm, um, excuse me, no, you get to pick between me or Starfleet, not both." So, well, I think that relationship's going to last.
1: Well, I mean, here's again, there's an entire TOS episode about this, where we learn about the Pond for, uh episode on season two, uh, and it's the famous the Mac time do 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 You recognize a piece of music? Go watch it. Absolutely. I know. I know. You're like, no, I'm I won't. I will it. not. No. I'm not watching TOS. Especially,
0: especially after seeing Strange New Worlds, you think I'm going to be able to handle going back to that cheesy stuff? Like you just were saying that there were cardboard sets. I'm sorry. I I know that it holds a special place in your heart, and I love the nostalgia that you have. Not I really. No, not, I'm. I'm, I I I'm not do that to myself. I can't. I,
1: I am a TNG guy <laughs> at, at my heart. <laughs> TOS for, for TOS for me, it's the movies, and with the movies, it's because I love the look of it. TOS I can't stand the look of TOS. It drives me nuts. I, I know that is.
0: Nimo- Nimoy, but I know.
1: Right, right. I just, but, but regardless, no, and there was a whole episode of TOS where we learned mm-hmm. about the Vulcan mating rituals. They only mate once every seven years. And so it looked like that was about to happen in that first episode. It didn't happen. But then as it turns out, as T'Pring stays on Vulcan, she ends up catching the eye of another dude. And mm-hmm. the whole setup to that TOS episode is she was trying to get... Spock killed off, so she could hook up with the other guy. She's she's a real bitch. So yes, I do not do not feel bad for her. Um, oh no, I'm
0: not saying that I do, but that's yeah. what I'm wondering: is that if that's going to be called off, and we're going to have the Spock? Um,
1: I mean, it Spock didn't. Ahura. Because it did. It, it didn't end up happening in TOS. Now th- there was an ongoing right. unresolved romantic vibe between Nurse Chapel, who is a great new character in this, mm-hmm. and Spock throughout the original series. What's funny is that Nurse Chapel was played by Major Barrett Roddenberry, who was also number one in the unaired pilot. So you mm-hmm. did have two. You have the. You have two characters played by the same actress. Now in this right. show, played by different actresses, which I adore.
0: Well. Um, and- it seems, that's what I'm curious is because I feel like depending, they're kind of leaving this open because depending on how it goes, if they don't want Pike to end up like he did in the OG TOS seasons, like they, they, it seems like they're kind of leaving it open to where if something changes, then they can be like, no, this is actually a different universe.
1: I just don't know that we're going to go there, well, but I
0: don't know. That's what I'm saying. But I was like, I'm getting a horror Spock vibe. So I mean, I'm you know, sure.
1: And again, they—you're right—in the JJ verse, they lean very heavily into that. But I don't know; it could mm-hmm. simply be that they're going to be great pals. It he's going to have this. If he's going to have this great big flirtation uh, with Nurse Chapel that goes nowhere. Who is and also that,
0: fantastic. Entire cast and, yeah, and all of J- the actors yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, great new actors. We have La'an Noonian Singh is the name of the character related to con sing that was pointed mm-hmm. out in the pre-roll stuff. Uh, Lieutenant Ortegas is great. She's she's like a gal you want to go drinking with. She's so mm-hmm. awesome. the the helms 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 person, helms woman, yes. helms, helms, uh, helm officer. Um, <laughs> just ah, and then yeah Dr. Mabenga, who is again that's a, he's a transplant from TOS. Um, and then you have a new character in uh, Lieutenant he's an Enar, which is a uh, shoot-off of the Andorian at and Lieutenant Hemmer, Lieutenant mm-hmm. Commander Hemmer. Um, yeah, great cast, great tee up. Uh, but yeah it was yeah Hammer is when he beamed in at the last second of episode one and then you got a little bit of him in this Mm -hmm. episode too but yeah I love this and I love that this episode uh, concluded again you know the the pseudo religious stuff with the the fact that you know our sentient comet can't you know she, you can't touch it or whatever it's gonna do whatever it ever wants to do or something or yes. uh and well, then and even
0: the fact that they're like you can't touch it and so pike specifically comes up with a way for them to break off a chunk of the comet and he goes we're technically not touching it <laughs>
1: like, yeah is it
0: that sass that's coming through he's it like, like yeah doing this thing and technically technically we're not touching it so stop. It's fine. <laughs> stop,
1: stop stop, hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Yes. Stop hitting yourself. Yes. <laughs> oh much my that gosh.
0: Energy. Oh, it's say, just the one thing crap. that bugged me is because they're on this, like the inhabited planet that's, you know, got pre warp civilization. Mm-hmm. It's an arid planet, it is a desert, it, like kind of a right. Tatooine type of deal.
1: Right, right. The, like planet people, the planet yeah. that they're trying to save the comet from, I yes. mean. Yeah.
0: And I like they talk about how now they have changed basically their entire ecosystem to be more um, like have more water to it. Mm -hmm. And my entire thing is I'm like, if this entire like culture and like the entire ecosystem evolved to not have water, that would probably be a huge detriment to them. Cause they're talking about like, well now it's got more water so they can have like higher culture and they'll be able to like agriculture, like have more agriculture and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. Think about how we're trying to do with just having, like, the ice caps melting on our planet. Like, right. our we were not made to have this much water. And so we're really struggling with it. It Like, they right. show out and they're... You know, it's got them, like, dancing in the rain. I'm like, have they ever seen rain? If they've never seen rain, that would freak me out.
1: <laughs> they'd be like, I'm afraid of the sky now. Right, yeah, you're right.
0: Exactly. I'm like, and I'm like, I don't think that they would have like evolved to need water if that water wasn't available to them. So it right, was yeah. just felt kind of, like, Earth-centric as far as right. how right, that right, right, civilization right. was being portrayed. But, I mean, it's also, it's Star Trek. And so that was, like, a yeah. picky thing where I was just like, that seems kind of weird.
1: But that's okay. Star trek yeah, but- Star Trek-y life yeah. is about the nitpickery. So you're right. uh you get the, you get the royal hall pass on that one. All right. Well, more to come in our next episode, uh, which will actually be Katie's that'll be Katie's little departure until the fall. It
0: will be. I promise I'm still gonna watch Strange New Worlds though. Okay. I will watch the entire okay. season and I will yell at you in Messenger as much Please. as
1: I do now. <laughs> so much so much yelling. Hopefully, I love you.
0: Hopefully, Hopefully it will have a better I better kind of run through than Picard did. Cause remember oh. the first two episodes of Picard were chef. Yeah. Were beautiful. And, and then everything went downhill from there. So the I'm rest really of it was, hoping. the rest
1: of it was Ratatouille. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
0: I have high hopes for, for strange new worlds. <laughs> I
1: do too. So hopefully by the time you come back, we'll be in the lower decks or something like that. Which oh
0: is a yes. Spot, I, which I know. Yes. which I
1: know is your sweet spot. Oh, so that's good. I'm
0: so excited to be able to go through lower decks for the first time with you.
1: Oh, that's I know. So to. good. It's gonna be fun now that I'm again. Good. I'm now that I'm a uh, I'm a B believer. Yes. Uh, before, much more than I was for. All right, let's dig in yes. uh, to the recap. We are still in Deep Space Nine season two, part three. We had a bigger chunk of episodes here because uh, we had a longer season than we did, obviously, in season one, which was mm-hmm. like a three quarter season. This was a whole season. So, uh, we're starting out with episode thirteen, which is Armageddon Game. Uh, Winrich Colby a series veteran, uh, was the director, Morgan Gendel was the writer, never heard of him, aired in January of 1994. Uh, O'Brien and Bishir helped two warring races, the Kelleran and the Talani, erase knowledge of a deadly biological weapon, but are not to be trusted to keep what they have as a secret. Ouch. <laughs> that's, that's a toughie. You know, the, the, uh, the nature of it is, again, you know, you're dealing with alien races. You don't necessarily mm-hmm. know what you're going to get. Um, it seems kind of dumb that the two of these guys didn't have a security contingent of any kind. Because, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, they're on the space station helping the this, this non-aligned species... Uh, you know, on, they're on a humanitarian mission. They're getting rid of this deadly virus. But at the end of it, the non allied species who are now finally at peace say, well, you know what? These guys know, know how to recreate it, so everybody here has got to die. Uh, yeah. So so O'Brien and Bashir, you know, kind of escape by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. Chin. And it's a nice episode. And in escaping, unfortunately, the, uh, uh, a vial explodes and the, the virus, a drop of it lands on O'Brien, so he gets really sick. But throughout them, you know, being in this hidey hole on the planet, they start to you know develop new corners to their friendship. Uh, you know, Doctor Doctor Bashir talks about this long lost romance. Um, uh, d- the Chief talks about you know the adventures of being married and this thing and that thing. And in the end of it, you know the cavalry shows up to rescue him. But yep. I really like and, and it was O'Brien's wife who says my husband doesn't drink coffee at three o'clock in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, and it shows that she's event.
0: actually showing and which I I loved and then. Like the fact that they undercut that as a joke at the end of the episode I was like, oh come on right. guys, that was really sweet, and it kind it of was. I feel like kind of undercut O'Brien's entire like thing of like being married is its own adventure, and there's right. like, it's kind of its own final frontier. So
1: right, but, it's oh, own, yes, its own final it. final frontier where your wife yeah. doesn't know how much you love your coffee. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I love this next episode too. But I'll let you take this one.
0: Oh yes, okay. Um, or we're just going to go into whispers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. So whispers um, by um, Les Landau and um, written by Paul Robert Coyle. I don't know if you know him. No, nope. um, you know, February it aired February 6th of 1994 um, while preparing the station for an upcoming peace talks. O'Brien discovers that the crew has been hiding information from him and giving orders behind his back. O'Brien begins to suspect everyone on the station is gradually being altered or replaced by an unknown force. And I both loved and hated this episode because O'Brien seems like kind of an a-hole the entire time. Totally. Because he just starts off being a super dick to (laughs) to his (laughs) wife. And I'm like... Why?
1: Why are he, you he he's, he's picking fights with his co- with his subordinate, yeah. and then he's being all grumpy. And um, yeah, I mean, I really, I thought this episode. And again, I watched this. This was my senior year in high school, so I was mm-hmm. really, really engaged. I was an adult, so I was watching. I wasn't like, well, what the hell's going on? S- <laughs> semi-intel- semi, semi, semi intelligent, nearly eighteen year old guy uh, who was a huge Star Trek nerd, and you know, girls wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. But so I was really into Star Trek.
0: <laughs> so, but well, yeah. You know, but, and now you're on a podcast with me, so obviously, you know who's laughing now.
1: <laughs> I was going to say the, the journey has come all the way around, but um, yeah, I, I I spent the whole episode feeling bad for him because I, you're right, I didn't quite get the twist. I'm like, why is everybody conspiring against him? What's the deal? Um, and yeah, it was. I I mean, I certainly didn't figure out the twist at the end. I don't know about you. The first time you saw it, it wasn't like, oh, that's not really him. Uh, you know, I thought yeah. maybe he was he was in a you know bottle universe or alternate universe or he was hallucinating or it was a dream or something. So, yeah, I didn't get it. So it was like a super cool, you know, gotcha at the end, I thought.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I had I think it's, the, it's kind of the difference of me watching it kind of knowing some of the tropes that Star Trek has gone through and that sci-fi goes through in general, because it's kind of the Occam's razor thing of like the simplest explanation. So I'm like, okay, well rather than having the entire crew replaced, he probably was replaced. And it was one of those things of like, I wish that they would have been able to go into more of like, okay, well who's human then? Like, you know, kind of like the William Riker or the, um, Oh, uh, when, uh, in Voyager, when, uh, oh, what's their faces? They get together and they make the whole new creature. Oh Tuvix. tuvix yes thank right. you I'm like I cannot remember any of their names at that point a- or the
1: you remember the 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 silver the the silver uh jello people that make a whole new crew and yes. they have that by the end of it you're like oh there's little differences in it and you can tell it's not really them but it, they finally figure out who they are yeah. um but yeah it was just it was just like the whole while it's like oh why are they all dying or whatever so or why why aren't things yeah. going right so yeah
0: yeah, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that conversation because I think he just basically like the clone of him just kind of dies or it's right. just like kind of the panic and like the realization of like I guess he dies via existential crisis.
1: <laughs> right. It's yeah, so like, just- like 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 Padmé in Star Wars, she died because she was sad. She yeah. just lost the will to live.
0: What? Yeah. And it just kind of like neatly wrapped itself up. In a right. bow where i was like right. i'd like to have seen it get a little bit more messy but overall i did think like again it was those episodes that are digging more into the side characters where right. you know if you had tng in the episodes before or the series before where it was mostly focused on the main like you know mm-hmm. captain and number one where these ones you're getting you know entire episodes where like cisco doesn't really exist in them and right those are really great
1: Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's what what ends up making DS nine the classic uh, the classic that it was because of mm-hmm. its exploration of its. I mean, and again, O'Brien is main cast, but even as you go on, you're getting you know Garrick and you go to cot and you know the the you know political intrigue and religious intrigue on Bajor and mm-hmm. that's all that's all you know Ron D. Moore which you know bled into really Battlestar Galactica it's really the same thing but I don't want to get too far <laughs> off track because yeah. uh, we'll talk about an episode where I know I wanted to bitch slap the villainous oh, character my in this word. time Love and again
0: hate. Love this
1: is hate. episode 15 Paradise uh, directed by Corey Allen again mm-hmm. a regular of the series story by Jim Trombetta and James Cracker nope. Uh, tell played Jeff King Richard Manning and Hans uh, By who was a regular of the series uh, February of 1994 Cisco and O'Brien are stranded on a pr- planet Aurelius where their leader Alexis <laughs> <laughs> Rejects technology even if it means the death of others. Oh, there's a word I want to use that I'm not gonna use for what I thought about this woman. Yeah, um but I yeah appreciate you
0: appreciate that. No gendered slurs.
1: No gendered <laughs> slurs, but yes, she's she she she's a dickwad. There you go. There's yes, a genderless there slur go. for you. But no, like, <laughs> what, what happens, yeah, Cisco and O'Brien are out looking for colony sites, blah, 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 which just seems like a weird mission to be doing in a runabout from a right. space station, but yes. whatever. But also
0: having the captain and your chief of yeah.
1: So yeah, so it's kind mm. of a weird, it, yeah, you you'd think it would be, you know, a bunch of, you know, science ensigns or whatever. And if they right. get lost, if they, got, they don't come back. Well, you know, we got more yeah. of those. Not a big deal. But That's anyway, yeah.
0: Like, yes, so that's, exactly. That's a that's a, that's a 10D mission there. <laughs> yeah, that's a,
1: this is a, a lower deck scenario. It's yes. a lower de- lower de- lower, <laughs> de- lower deck OA mission, uh, but yeah. So S- Cisco and uh, and O'Brien uh, bump into this site where you know there was a crashed you know shuttlecraft you know several years prior. Uh, all the people have kind of gone granola because none of the technology works. They're all living off the land, and blacksmithing, mm-hmm. and their leader is this basically um, luddite techno, you know technophobe woman who uh, immediately finds out that oh one of their people ate a plant or something. And, uh, you know, God, if we get to the runabout, we get a hypostasis, give her a shot. She'd be good to go. And she dies. And this woman is like, well, that was the will of the this and that because of the way we lived. And if we had been looking for technology, we all would have died. So I guess it's kind of cool that she's dead or whatever. And then she starts leaning on. Cisco and O'Brien to participate in their lifestyle. And they're like, we want to get the fuck out of here. This place mm-hmm. sucks. You guys should all come with us. So uh, eventually the long and short of it, she, you know, in you know, she. You it's know, found out that yeah.
0: she's, she's the one who's been basically making it so that no technology works. Right. Exactly. And she also yeah. sent away the runabout. So right, they were yeah, not, if, never going to get saved.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. So basically, but you know, Karen Dax uh, find it out to come and rescue them, uh, and at the end of it, you know, uh, the the people choose to stay, knowing that they have the freedom to to turn off the technology inhibiting field. But fortunately, the bitch gets taken away, uh, which is fine by me. So you know, and, and you know to answer for the death of all the people that, and and the people that, the people that she's willingly stranded, which Mm -hmm. is kind of, which is kind of a big deal. Um, so I I love that. And again, it's a reflection on modern technology or Mm -hmm. or modern society. You have people who really shun technology, but you know, the question is if it could be done to this length, there's always going to be people that are going to, going to be, you know, basically it's, it's this side of being a religious zealot, which is, you know, that's a hot button with me. Nothing I ever like to talk about, (laughs) but it's 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 the same kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it does play into more of the they're using the modern technology as a way to show kind of the freedom of choice and how everyone should have that freedom of choice regardless of, you know, what it's about. So when this means it's the technology, Um, I will say that one thing that really, um, again, love about DS9, and I feel like we're getting it more and more as we're going in, is that you had an entire um, side quest of Dax and um, Kira trying to find Cisco and O'Brien. All on their own. And it's one of those things where with TNG, there were not two um, main casts that were women that could go off on their own and have an entire, you know, thing where like Dax is basically slingshotting themselves at warp, trying to get the other runabout via like and capture it at warp with a tractor beam. Right, and it's just it's showing the, really the versatility of the cast. And again, I'm going to just keep talking about this as we're going through DS9 because it's one of the reasons I love DS9 so much is because there's such a versatility in the cast. All of them are shown as competent. All of them are shown as very creative and ingenuitive. And right. I I enjoyed watching Dax and Kira as much trying to solve their problems as I did watching, you know, O'Brien and Cisco stand up to this just hellion of a woman who is right. imposing her will on this on this group of people
1: exactly oh my goodness and there's another great Dax episode uh, yes. beyond we but we that. are <laughs> but we are sandwiched in a very generic now not only is this a very generic storyline but it was it's also one that was exactly copied in an episode of enterprise and the guest star in that episode of enterprise was renee obichon Odo, who, who leads this episode. I did uh,
0: not realize that. And now yeah. I wonder if that's going to color, because I really liked this episode. Oh,
1: okay. But
0: I, I didn't know I, that it was kind of a, a cut and paste from a different episode. It was.
1: Well, it, I mean, it became, because obviously Enterprise was, you know, Enterprise was almost right. 10 years later. But yeah, it was, I just found it to be, I just found this to be a super generic, like, oh, we shot in a field for a couple of days, and otherwise we had a set, and we had a very generic, it was another, it was the, it was the flip side of the previous episode episode of the, well, we got to, there we had no technology problems. This one is entirely a technology problem. It did drop a little hint to, you know, the main guy what he did is, well, I escaped my home world because the Dominion was destroying it. So now this is mm-hmm. the fourth yeah, or fifth reference that, hey. to the to the Unknown Dominion, which we're going to very shortly, we're going to find out exactly who they are in just a, just a few episodes from now. But um, I, you know, the guy said, well, I escaped and I built this big hologram and mm-hmm. gave me a village and then I had a wife, and then I had a child who was a hologram, and then I have a hologram. Grandchild. It was just like, I, I mean, you know what? I, I'm going to stop my bitch. What, what did you like about it? Please tell well, me. and
0: I think that, again, it plays back to the uniqueness of them building out each character because having Sisko or Brian at that scene and going through this ordeal might have been different than having Dax and specifically Odo because you have Odo who is pretty much in a constant existential crisis because he has no permanent form, no permanent history, no permanent home. And he's seeing these holograms that are like, no, we're real. You know, what is the difference between their reality? Because they are not sentient in the kind of traditional sense versus, you know, the way that he is sentient in some ways. And then you have Dax who has her own kind of, you know, kind of understanding as far as <laughs> i see that we have been more pets there we go pet, there. Pet um, there you go but yeah she has her own mo- her own kind of like fluid understanding of self and physical permanence so i think that having those two be the ones that were on the home planet really gave it kind of its own unique twist as far as the conversation went yeah. or as far as like That's- even like the underlying themes of it go
1: right. I can't disagree. I, I, I like. The, I know. I like. The, I like that perspective. Um, but segueing into the next episode, um, yes. dealing with um, Dax, this is this, this sets up something that I think really pays off mm-hmm. about Dax, uh, about Jadzi and Curzon Dax that we find out next season. So go ahead, please. Yes.
0: Yes. Okay. So we have "Playing God" as the title of the episode. Um, it's uh, directed by David Livingston. Story by Jim Trombetta and Til-play by Jim Trombetta and Michael Piller, uh, aired February 27th, 1944.
1: 1944?
0: Oh, my God! 1994! I, I said it, and I was like, wait, that didn't sound right.
1: It, <laughs> was, a, it, was, it, it, it was a flashback you never knew about. Yes.
0: <laughs> so um, Dax is supervising Arjun, the Trill candidate for joining, and she helps him find his voice and discover what he wants from life and from joining. Meanwhile, the proto-universe threatens to destroy the station and Bajor. So, again, I thought it was some really fun kind of through lines from the previous episode. And I, it's one of those things where, you know, we started out the season and we had what three episodes that were written by three different people and had very beautiful through lines. Right. This one, you had kind of those similar themes of like who gets to decide who lives and who dies, who gets to right. decide what existence is and how humanity plays Mm -hmm. itself out or how these existences are playing itself out with this kind of like, you know, little proto universe and, you know, Cisco ends up taking it off the station. Right. And at the same time you have Dax and Arjun where, you know, she's being kind of a hard ass with him and she's like, you don't have a lot of personality. And she's trying to explain to him, you know, like this, I was not the same person I was that you see now and you need to understand what happened with me so that you can know what you're going in, going to get into right. as the journey because it it kind of it felt kind of like it was talking about the like the romanticism that humanity has with marriage, where they're like, "No, if you just get married, everything works out." Like, right. oh, oh man,
1: I, I, yeah, I'll just I'll have some kids, and that'll work. Yeah. You know, then and I'll that, figure out what yeah. I want to do with my life. Everything, blah. yeah, everything yeah, will exactly. be fine. Like
0: all of the problems will be sides once you get married. And it's like, right. no, if this right. relationship is toxic. It's toxic. Mm-hmm. If you're not fully ready to know right. how you're going to go into that, it's not going to work regardless.
1: Right. They really illustrate that the trill joining, and again, we you know we're getting we have a long gap in anything trill related after DS9. Then we're getting a little bit back in Discovery, and they're taking a different Different bent to it, obviously, because now you have, you know, a, uh, you separated a true consciousness and put it in into a golem, which is is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're really going to see when you and I, it's going to be when we come back around and do Deep Space Nine season three, which is going to be a whopper, you know a year from now, maybe longer, <laughs> uh, is that there's a great episode where you learn a little bit more about why Curzon so uh, fought so hard yes. to kick Z out of the program. We don't want to spoil anything, but you know, this episode laid the groundwork for that. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. the you know the beast story with the proto-universe, whatever, it's very DS9 season 1, 2, where you're like, there's a thing okay. on the station and blah, blah, so I just don't care, but yeah, you're right, it, the, the Arjun was, what's very interesting is this was in the, the spring, early part of 94, in the summer of 94, one of the greatest films of all time, in my opinion, Forrest Gump came out, the actor who played Arjun was the hippie who smacked Jenny around uh, at the, uh, when they were at the March on Washington, Forrest jumps over tables beat the shit out of him, save guy. <laughs> Same guy. I'm like, I watched it, I'm I'm like, that's lines. Arjun.
0: <laughs> Your through lines to stuff are very interesting with the way I, that they work. I,
1: there's a I've been married to April for nine years, and she's like, I know I can watch an episode of anything, and there's and somebody in know. Star Trek that's in it.
0: <laughs> and you will know exactly how they relate to everything oh, else.
1: You better believe it. It's my it's my <laughs> it's my magical superpower. All right, let's move on to speaking of Doing, and this was this was again, we had a great episode with Quark uh, mm-hmm. a little while back, but this this one was spectacular. We actually get as a guest star Mary Crosby, the sister of Denise Crosby, who's Tasha Yar in TNG. Uh, and <laughs> there we go, and she was also on Dallas, so there that's an even better one. Uh, episode 18 of the season is Profit and Loss. Directed by Robert Weimer. uh, Written by Flip Kobler and Cindy Marcus. Nope. Uh, March 20 of 1994 was the week that this aired. Quark is reunited with his former Cardassian lover, Natima Lang. But she's engaged in dangerous political intrigue with their students, Raquelin and Hogue. They want to reduce political power of the Cardassian military. Now this is a great episode on definitely two fronts. A, you're getting this absolute, in my opinion, this absolute dichotomy of Quark's character. Oh, I love money. That's all I care about. Profit Mm on the bar, this thing and that thing. And then, oh, the one that got away. This, This woman comes back to his life. He's not seen it for six or seven years. And it's all he cares about. And I will tell you, uh, and I don't, well, I don't need to tell you, you're, you're, you're a human being with feelings and emotions. You know what love can do, yeah. uh, that you just like ah, drop everything. And, uh, and you know, in a rekindling of, uh, of an older romance, I mean, I won't say everybody's been there, but I've certainly been there, uh, mm-hmm. in my life. It can be, it can be a powerful thing. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's great. And I think it's handled really well. And in the end, obviously, uh, they have to go their separate ways, which is, typical of show tv show format right. regardless right. can't make big changes like that but the um laying out uh, having you know having a uh- Garrick involved is always mm-hmm. amazing. Andy Robinson is Garrick, my guy. And there you just really, we get a couple of really great upcoming episodes with him uh, that define his character a little bit better in his past with the Obsidian Order and being a spy and stuff. So this this uh, gives a lot of hint around you know his his past and how he's disgraced and how he's he's exiled. He can't leave DS Nine or he'll get killed. Blah blah. Yeah. Uh,
0: and he literally says, "And I, because I didn't catch it the first time around. It's probably because I hadn't, I didn't realize who, I didn't know what his character's backstory was." But Bashir asks him, "He's like, are you a spy or are you an outcast?" And Garrick Flatt says, "Well, why not both?" And Bashir's like, "That doesn't make any sense." And I'm like, "He literally just told you. He literally just told you. Use your like,
1: ears, oh. bro. Nope, <laughs> rejected. Uh, but yeah, you know, th- th- there's a through line that goes from, uh, from Garrick." to the obsidian order and then you meet you know his his mentor in Tain, a few episodes from now mm-hmm. and then that leads into you know the uh, the obsidian order's attack on the Dominion which happens in the following season and then the collapse of the Cardassian military in season 4 with the Klingons and it's just so this this just hints upon it I love it's just a few episodes before the everything starts with the Dominion and the Dominion mm-hmm. takes Two full seasons, it takes seasons three and four, excuse me, three and four and five to mm-hmm. finally come to fruition. Everything is just such a slow burn in this show, which makes the, nearly the entirety of it, you can kind of skip season one, but starting with season two, I mean, there are some can't miss threads and this this episode is a great example of that, I think.
0: Yeah, and it really shows how they're using Quark um, to, you know, first off, flesh out the history of the station and then also flesh out, you know, Quark himself because you know his character is kind of hit and miss for me because sometimes he just goes off like major creepy vibes. I end up in his court by the end of the season or by the true, end of the True, true. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. yeah. Where, know, even really even, even, by, even by the end of an episode, you know what I mean? Yeah. He can he can something like in that early episode where he was, you <laughs> know, he let all the bad guys on the station. Yes. But at the end of it, he helped. He helped. You know, yes. get them thrown off, and they were um, like, "It's cool, you can stay, yeah, you're whatever."
0: Um, but I thought this one, it really helped. You know, it's, again, it's, I'll just be praising DS9. They do a really great job of showing kind of the, they balance the political dynamicism with the character dynamicism really, really well of like building out each one without one overshadowing the other. Because you got mm-hmm. a really great history with Quark and you got to see some of his humanity, especially with, you know, on our last set where you had the other um uh, Ferengi gal who is pretending to be a man so that she could... Right. Pe- pe-
1: you know. pe- Peck or pal or pet? Pel?
0: Pel. Yeah. So you get to see that, yeah, like he's had this kind of full, rich life and it works really well to kind of see, like, you know, it's very, very drama oriented, like how they show romances with this stuff. Like in the late 90s, <sighs> like everyone, like they're like leaning against each other and like, oh, Quark. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> calm down. Just just calm down. Like I feel like I'm watching Casablanca here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, knock it off. Or or Dallas. Yeah. In this case, which which works with Mary Crosby. So yeah. I I like it. I I believe the character of Natima Lang showed up in a novel later on or something else, which is not canonical, but whatever. We're already talking about fanfic. You've got yours, I've got mine. (laughs) You know, we're good. You take the good, you take the bad. Yes. All right. Let's end this on a biggity bang bang, because this last episode was hot, hot, hot stuff. All right, your turn. Take it away.
0: Blood Oath, directed by um, Rich Colby, uh, written by Peter Allen Fields, and it aired in March 27th of 1994. Uh, Jaxia Dax honors an oath made by Curzon Dax to three Klingons, Korra, Kulliff, and Kang, yes. and goes with them on a crusade against their sworn enemy, the Albino, um, who murdered their firstborn children as a revenge for stopping his raid on the Klingon colony. And oh, again, my God, it's so good! This whole set was just so much Dax, and I loved every second of it.
1: Right, <laughs> I know it, it was it was dynamic, and you know, let it be known. And again, I know TOS is not your jam. Uh, Kor, Koth, and Kang are the original three Klingon characters.
0: Oh, that's good to know. Good yeah, exactly. Know so that. yeah,
1: and again, yeah, the, yeah. Obviously, without knowing that, it it it, yeah. it, it lessens. A bit, but not too much. I don't of think really, so. of, really, of really understanding who they are. Because right. you realize that, obviously, Curzon Dax was a young man, you know, 80, 75, 80, 90 years prior mm-hmm. to this. And you thought, well, you know, Klingon's very long-lived. And right. I guess it makes... So it's 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 okay to, you know, it kind of makes, you know, thriller obviously, long-lived. So, obviously, they all they all knew each other as younger, but no. Core, uh, very first Klingon, showed up mm-hmm. uh, in the Season 1 episode. Uh, Koloth was the Klingon in the classic trouble with Tribbles episode okay and then Kang showed up in a season a very kind of a forgettable season 3 episode all of season 3 of TOS was horrible i am not looking <laughs> forward to doing that when peter and i do that cuz we're it's going to be like it's gonna be Picard season two yeah, for like probably. for like two for like two months. Yeah, it's exactly. like yeah, not it. Uh that's a very much a not it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, these three characters were great. Um and the, the storyline was amazing. Um, you know, Jadzia Dax, even you know, she was she tried to confide in Kira. What's it like to kill people? This, you know, does, does it stick with you? And she says, you know, every life that you take, Kira says to her, every life I took was a piece of my own life. Mm-hmm. And you know, Cisco calls her down and says, you know, this is not a Starfleet thing to do and you know you're not Klingon and and this just comes up when she and Worf get together in mm-hmm. you know season seasons four and five she tries to jump on his train like you know when Worf's brother comes to the season he's like I want you to kill me and Worf tries to do it uh, and, and, and is interrupted, and then both he and Jed's are like, "But it's a Klingon thing, whatever." And Cisco says, "This is not a Klingon station, and those are not Klingon uniforms you're wearing, so knock it off." Mm-hmm. But she manages; she manages to slide slide through with this one. Uh, and I, I love the albino. That that motherfucker was vicious. He and I was, yeah, yeah. And I I couldn't really figure out. I don't think he. I don't know what even know what species he was. Uh, he kind of looked like he might have sort of been a Klingon, but I think he was he, a he Klingon. Wasn't? Yeah, he, okay. I think.
0: He idea was that he was a Klingon is just he was an albino Klingon
1: right So apparently
0: albinoism is a thing that also can happen with Klingons
1: I guess but he was just he was a super duper badass uh but he was also a huge coward because he had been hiding for you know 25 years of this Mm -hmm. compound they finally so yeah at the end of it uh Koloth and Kang they do not survive the final battle Core lives, and then Core makes two or three more appearances later in the series, mm-hmm. uh, where he, you know, he and Worf become friends slash enemies or whatever. Uh, and in the frenemies, if you will. yeah, frenemies exactly. <laughs> and in the in the end, Jadzia doesn't kind of have the doesn't have the bloodlust to finally kill him, um, though. I think it is I think Kang finally delivers the death blow or whatever. Yeah. So and then she, you know, in typical TV show fashion, she goes back and there's no consequences. So that, that, <laughs> that's cool. That's yeah. You know, she, she took a couple days off. Have to do this thing, but um go on a murder spree. <laughs> wonderful, yeah, exactly. Wonderful exploration, obviously ongoing of Jadzia's character, but then also of, of Klingon culture, which becomes such you know, Peter Allen Fields is a writer who continues on in the series, but it's really when Ron D. Moore really kicks it in the teeth when he takes over you know when Worf joins the series uh in mm-hmm. season in season 4 um it's when we ended up seeing Kang again and then we end up seeing him in the mm-hmm. final season 2 um that we really are starting to learn that much more about Klingon culture um which which is is love. and this is this is really the, it wasn't the first Klingon appearance in the series but it was the most significant one candidate
0: kind of Oh absolutely. Well, and um, it really shows how Jedzia has a passion and it's not So much an appropriation, but an appreciation of Klingon culture. And it really builds her out for that because it's something where, like, you know, while her and Kira are having these conversations of, you know, you are not sworn to the oaths and to the obligations that your previous host made. And she's like, Jadzia goes, you know, yes, but I feel like this is a part of who I am. Like, this isn't Dax who needs to do it. It's Jadzia who needs to do it. And I feel Oof. like it really helps build out her character. And it's, you know, as they had been doing all throughout the season of really examining what makes a Trill and how those personalities of the symbiote and of the host interplay with one another. And it right. helps really build out the complexity of her character.
1: Well, and w- it, more interesting till to the point, and there was there's an episode early in season four mm-hmm. uh, where a former host of a, or a new host of a, of a Trill symbiote interacts with the Dax symbiote and they were married in a past life and it's, it's known yes. as a reassociation. And it was the, Oh, lesbian kiss in 1995. It was more than people could. handle. <laughs> yep. um, but it's funny because that really ties back to this, you know, is that Curzon wasn't bound by Trill society. He, she was almost really forbidden for taking mm-hmm. part of this. Um, but her, Trill societal norms and the Klingon societal norms for which she swore an oath, a blood oath, mm-hmm. uh, made her make this choice. So I, I thought that was fascinating too. Yes. So, um, oh, good stuff. Very so good that stuff. that does wrap us up for this episode. Uh, we will be taking it home to the the conclusion uh, of uh, DS Nine season two. Uh, interestingly enough, that last segment of what we're going to be covering uh, happened after the finale of Star Trek: The Next Generation. So it was the only Star Trek on TV for like three episodes so it's ne- never it never happened again until uh, mm-hmm. well until, until DS9 and Voyager kept yes. oh, lapping over but whatever alright Katie take us out of here
0: alright for more information about Starfleet International please visit Grand Petoskey on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter
1: my goodness. Yes, please do. Uh, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I have been Charlie Carden at the C3 uh, over on the Twitter. Katie, how do people find you?
0: Um, you can find me at QTGeek. That is Q underscore, underscore T Geek on Twitter.
1: I love it. Friends, again, thank you for joining us. I'm telling you, as always, that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.
0: And wherever you go, go boldly. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network.